to describe how their sorrow will turn to joy. Another hint may be this kind of pointing towards what would be his resurrection, the new life of the of Jesus. By the way, it's going to be for us like you in verse 22. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take that joy from you. And for those of us who live this side of the cross, and Jesus' resurrection, those words that make sense to us. His disciples never mourn his death, and his enemies rejoice that they finally put him to death. But that mourning of his disciples, and that rejoicing of the world, it will be short-lived. But three days later, having taken the full punishment of the cross in his body on the cross, and having been buried in that tomb, three days later, Jesus would rise again to stories. And his disciples would see him again with their own eyes, would understand the new life that was now available in him. And by seeing him, they would have this joy of that no one has taken away. They don't understand. They don't understand. He's just subtly planting truth in their lives. They will understand later. There's an incredible privilege. As Christians say, we live this side of the cross. God's salvation was a mystery to Jesus' disciples at that time. It's now clear for us. As far as Jesus is concerned, all of his followers, all his disciples, living in the light of his resurrection, can have a joy now that cannot be taken away. But we have seen Jesus in the flesh, of course. We know he rose again. Because of the witness of the disciples who did see him in the flesh after the cross. So read what John writes in chapter 20, verse 20, after the resurrection, speaking when Jesus appeared to his disciples. When Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his signs, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Their sorrow turned to joy, just as Jesus had promised. But for us, we also share in that continual joy, that is joy that no one can take away. The Apostle Peter speaks of it in his first letter to Christians who also, like us, have seen Jesus in the flesh, have seen him with our own eyes, having just described the incredible rescue we received through Jesus in grace for them. He says in 1 Peter 1, Listen, this is what he writes. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory. That's good for us now, as Christians. We have an inexpressible joy in the light of Jesus and his resurrection. One that can't be put into words. It's inexpressible. One that the world around us cannot understand. Well, the world's joy is rooted in the ever-changing circumstances of life, isn't it? If they have a good day, well, they can praise by the boss, or they just want a new car or something, then they feel alive with joy. I'm delighted. All is right for the world, life is great, but when they have a bad day, they don't respect, they get trapped, they get scolded by the boss, they go back home, go back to work, whatever it is. Then everything is wrong with the world. Life just isn't working. 
You know what's really sad, friends? It's when we as God's people live like that. And so our joy in life depends on the same thing that the world's joy depends on. We have a far deeper, genuine reason to rejoice in the midst of all the circumstances that we face in life. With a good thing about Christ is risen. Our eternal future is now secure in Him. She knows that she can stay our joy in Christ now. But it's hard, isn't it? It's really hard sometimes. Especially when we're being tested, where we feel like we're under a hot iron. Where the boss is calling us for no reason. Or our spouse or our kids are just mindless nuts. When we hit the jam and turn ourselves in Israel or don't turn ourselves on a Friday night, tear our heads out and keep the tummy right in front of us. No, this is the sort of things. This is the everyday things that we face in the middle of the Not even talking about the life altering tragedies that we face. Like a family member who's close to us who passes away, or a marriage who's on the rocks or sour. Christian living now is hard. Jesus has spoken about the sorrow that the disciples will experience when he goes to the grave after going to the cross. And yet we also experience sadness, even this time. Like then, we're still waiting, waiting for the fullness of what God has promised to those who trust in God. What's the most obvious truth? But friends, Jesus says there is joy in his face to those now. He doesn't even get a smile all the time. Joy is that shallow emotion of thanks. It's nothing for that. The ability to give thanks and persevere in a situation no matter what. I think one of the reasons that I find myself so often lacking joy as a Christian, is that I'm just not thinking about what I think that joy in or not. I'm not thinking about Jesus. I'm not thinking about his resurrection. My thoughts just so quickly drift to enjoy things. I can't wait to get a new car. I can't wait for that chill out time. I can't wait to get back in the sun. But far less often do I remember Christ is grace. I can have no life in him. That's secure. He's with me right now. He's sustaining me. He's growing me. In all the right ways. I stay in his hands. So when those rough times come, I can be so slow to remember that. Friends, when we do that, when we forget the glory that we have in Christ in the hard times, we cheat ourselves of an incredible blessing that God has made available to us through his time. What we need to do is keep mindful of Jesus and his resurrection and joy in his grave this week. Maybe we need to be memorizing John 16, what he's saying to us, to his disciples here. Maybe we need to put a post-it note up in the car that says Jesus is grace, so when you're in the middle of that jam, you can still remember and have joy in the cross. So come and give thanks. So let's do what we need to do. Don't keep yourselves out of the joy that is now yours in Jesus. And I'm just happy now because Jesus is yours. And our life is secure no matter what. Amen. Well, secondly, rejoice in Christ our Father. Verse 23. Rejoice in Christ our Father. 
In that day, you lost nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have lost nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. The disciples, in their confusion, have been asking Jesus lots of questions. Questions like, Jesus, where are you going? How can we know the way? What do you mean by living wrong? But soon enough, question time will be over. After the cross, all of that confusion will be. Your spirit will come and help the disciples to understand the words that Jesus is giving to here in the light of the cross. But there's a one important way in which his disciples will continue to ask after the cross. A new way. One that wasn't possible before the death and resurrection of Jesus. They will be able to ask for things directly of their Heavenly Father. Which, as far as Jesus is concerned, is crucial for a Christian's joy. Ask and receive that your joy may be full. And as they pray in Jesus' name, depending on the access that he has offered at the cross, they would know that they had to hear of their Heavenly Father, the God of all creation who holds all things in his hands. And this is part of the Father's plan for them, for us today. It's time to be the sake of our growth and joy of Christ to be able to pray to him. So they are our needs before him and have most of his answers. When we are struggling to rejoice in Christ, do we pray? Do you think one of the clearest signs we're not rejoicing in Christ is when we're related to him, related to Christ? But when we go to and listen up our hopes, our longings, our fears, our uncertainties to God, we don't ask our Heavenly Father to help in bearing a particular trial in a way that will bear on Him and on us in our hope in Christ. And it's not only the hope of that trial, but it's glorious as a result. You see what the Apostle Paul encourages the church in the third These words. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication of thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which is passes all your understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As we pray, we have the promise that God will grant his peace that will guard us in Christ, help us to continue rejoicing in him, despite whatever we might be That doesn't mean all of our prayers will be answered the way that we want. Even the Apostle Paul didn't have that privilege. During his ministry, we know from his letter to the Corinthians, he prayed that a thorn in the flesh that God had given him to humble him, this burden that had placed him for days during his ministry. He prayed, Lord, remove it from me. Please, remove it. What's answer to that prayer was, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And see what Paul's response was when God answered his prayer in that way. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and vanities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For you, the joy of being content in the midst of his own weaknesses, and his own trials, understanding that those weaknesses will glorify God. 
they showed wisdom and also strength in sustaining them. The more people really realize, like you, the more Christ of our joy, as Jesus the Bible is not before. Now, language from the Father, again, is confusing the disciples quite a bit. And they would use one of their leaving one God and they had a long way to go in scripture class. They wondered, who is this Father that Jesus keeps on talking about? But one that he seeks to glorify, even though he is the Messiah. One that he's going to return to. One that we will ask things of in Jesus' name. Isn't it all about Jesus? Jesus knows that his words are still very important. Look at verse 25. I say these things to you in the of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in the of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. The day will come when by the Spirit, the disciples would understand who the Father is, the Son's relationship to the Father. They would understand the Trinity, at least the point that we understand it today. But having begun to explain the blessing of prayer that we bears, we want to pray to the Heavenly Father, who Jesus wants to clarify his role in that process, as they pray to the Father who they will know who his Word. Verse 26. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed I came from God. Jesus wants to make it clear to them, and clear to us, that he is not a middleman when it comes to our prayers. Who of us thinking that prayer works like a McDonald's drive-thru? This process of understanding is far too familiar with. Do you have any thoughts about that? Actually, they have both of us. Well, Jesus doesn't want us to think that the process of prayer works like this, like a little drive-thru. Let me explain to you two bosses mind. Okay. You drive up, you speak to one attendant, and order what you want through this weird menu system. And then that attendant takes your money. And then speaks to another attendant on their walkie talkie, someone that you haven't spoken to in person, of course, and they put your order through on your behalf. And hopefully, when the system works, the attendant that you never spoke to in the first place will magically give you exactly what you want. One of the times I don't actually get about it, and that's one of them. Well, Jesus tells us that that's not the way prayer works. We don't speak to him and then he relays our order to the Father as this sort of middleman. We have the privilege of speaking directly to our Heavenly Father. Jesus has now opened up the way to our Father by his death on the cross for us. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. Because he has cleansed us of our sins. He has made us acceptable in your sight so that we can actually approach our Heavenly Father in prayer. And he will hear us. Because yes. there are some who say our prayers stand a better chance of being heard or answered if we actually present them to God through a middleman. If we pray to St. Jerome or St. Paul or St. Lindsay, they'll give us a helping hand in getting heard by God. Some people even see Jesus as playing that role for us. Pray to Jesus and give me that little man who gets to request that special attention. 
Your future is secure in me. Rejoice. You have fallen in heaven to whom you can pray for your life. Rejoice. But even though you suffer now, I hope I will. You have peace in me. Let me finish by reading the first two lines of the Heidelberg Catechism. It forms quite a nice summary of what Jesus has been teaching us through John over the past few weeks. Let me start with this question. Heidelberg Catechism is the question answer. Uh, for that, it says to the church, what is your only comfort? In other words, what's your reason for joy during life and death? What's your only comfort during life and death? And this is how it answers that question for us as Christians. That I, I am not my own, but I am one sold in life and in death to my faith and sake of Jesus Christ. He has been paid for my sins with his precious blood, and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair is from my head without the will of my Father and Him. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to Him, Christ, by His Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me all heartily willing and ready from now on to live for Him. Remember that we are asking as we rejoice in Christ in this country. Father, we thank you for the very mercy and grace that you have shown us in that marvelous mysteries Christ died for us, and that we are now secure in him. We thank you for the comfort that brings, for the joy that is now housed in him. Help us to be living out of that joy in this country where we face hard times. Help us to continue still to give thanks and endure, knowing these great blessings that we now have in our Lord Jesus, as we look forward to one day being at peace in every way with Him. We ask this in His name, Amen.